We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Welcome to issue 599 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Rita. And I'm your other other host, Cable Hashitani. How's it going, party nerds? Uh, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I think fair. that's how it's going. Uh, I, had a, I had a frustrating afternoon in the garage, so I'm like... But and then I started <laughs> playing video games, and now I'd rather be playing video games. I was, I, yeah, that was me a little bit because um, <laughs> I fired up the story mode of Red Dead Redemption Two again, mm. and I'm, all, I'm I was like, no, I guess I, I guess we said we're doing a show, so I can't just play that. <laughs> I mean, if you'd give me a heads up, I could have put on Borderlands, and we could have all just set up and been like. Ha- half-acidly talking to one another while we're playing our individual video games you know i bet you people would like to watch that every once in a while i mean there is an entire industry of people who play video games purely for the entertainment of other people this is true so if we're here to entertain people and we want to be playing video games i mean like what's that's peanut butter jelly time that's true yeah we could give that a shot if only i could figure out twitch (laughs) i have a twitch i do too that, that's it. That's all I got. The yeah. only reason I have it is because at the time, I was under the impression that you had to have a Twitch in order to set up D&D Beyond. Ah. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's true. But it's not. I, at the time, I did not feel like I could get around Twitch to get to D&D Beyond. Oh. I think if you want to make money playing D&D, you have to have Twitch. Well, I don't make money anyway, so... Right. Or work for Watsy in one shape or another. As long as you don't do it in a hot tub. Make money? Who's doing it in a hot tub? Or is it considered... Oh, that one, she got banned or... She got demonetized. Right. Someone got demonetized for playing video games on Twitch in a hot tub? It's apparently... uh, There's been a bunch of streamers that have been recording themselves in bikinis um, 
in hot tubs or small pools or on beaches. Yeah. How dare they? To to the degree that they have created a uh, category for hot tub pool beach. I don't see where the problem is. The the problem is, is while it is not adult content, that can make some advertisers go, oh, I don't think I want to be associated with this. And then yeah. they pull out. Um, the thing that happened was Twitch was not upfront about that was what was happening. And when they finally did get asked about it, like two weeks after the fact, it's like, hey, my advertising dollars went down. What happened? It's like, oh, these advertisers pulled out because of this. Mm. Right. And when were you going to tell me, oh, yeah, that was our fault. That That's not an answer to the question. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, if you can make money doing that, I mean, go for it, I guess. Zach is pointing out that uh, we had a thing going for a while where uh, we played a game for one episode each month. Yes, we did. And by a while, we mean two months. And then the pandemic and happened. Then the, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, we've actually been talking about that a lot lately because yeah. it was quite the bummer. We were really excited about that particular segment and uh, and then the universe slapped us plans. in the face. We had things lined up. And- yep, mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. fun things lined up, but we are making plans again. Yes, we are We are trying to, to bring something back of, of that ilk. Right. So, um, that's it. That's all we can tell you right now. Right. Yes. And I'm... Yes. <laughs> No, I'm trying to sound a way to say it without it sounding so mercenary, but I'm I don't care. We're also trying to find a way to monetize it more. Because yeah, we just need the help kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, like any creative venture in this yeah. past year. I mean, we're we're pretty lucky. We've been able to stay on the air this whole time. A lot of other podcasts that I know of just like shut it down. Yeah. For for one reason or another. Uh, up to and including uh, pandemic storylines that just didn't feel like the right time anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense too. Um, yeah, I, my brain is all over the place today because I've, I don't know, all over the place. So what are we doing today? We're going to talk about a couple episodes of The Bad Batch, right? Yes, we've got then- two episodes of The Bad Batch to cover and there's a couple of different trailers that dropped in the last 24, 48 hours that we wanted mm-hmm. to touch on as well. Yeah, no. So some good nerd stuff in there. Not just us lamenting of like, what do we do now? Yes. Yeah, Sack is correct. I do believe it was Gloom and was it Horrified? The Universal Monsters game? We played that separately. Um, the uh, on-air game that we played was King of Tokyo. I was just typing it in the chat. Yep. I could have um, swore we played Horrified streaming it somehow. The the two of you came over. We recorded the whole thing. And we played but, Horrified uh, at the gallery. Uh, yeah. Okay. You were out of town. Um, Indigo Kelly came on and mm-hmm. was a guest and played mm-hmm. King of Tokyo with Bean and I. Right. That I remember. Yeah. I mean, I remember you guys playing and not me there. Mm-hmm. Right. You you remember not being there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Cool, 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 cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> cool. 
Um, unrelated to anything that we've already talked about, there was another piece of news that I thought was fun that uh, Merrick clued me in on. Uh, Henry Cavill has been cast to play the lead in a Highlander reboot. I saw that. Yeah. By the creator of John Wick. Yeah. Um, I'm just excited to see Henry Cavill in a skirt now. That will probably happen. You pretty much have me. I'm sorry. Kill. Yeah, kill. All you have to do is go, Henry Cavill. Yes, I'm in. I I didn't say anything. Nope, I'm in. Done. (laughs) Uh, I want him to be able to, like, punch grow a mustache while he's the Highlander also. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Punch grow? It's, it's It's a joke from Mission Impossible Fallout. If you watch that trailer, the scenery is in the fight in the bathroom. He does the like he does the pump warm up about to jump into a fight and because of the angle of the shot and the lighting when he does this the lighting shifts just enough on his face to make it look like a mustache just just grew there's a weird trick of light and it became a very popular gif and it's still very fun i get that cavill was able to punch his mustache into existence the the only other property that i want to see henry cavill be able to have a starring role in is when they get around to making any sort of movie or television series of set in the Warhammer 40k universe since that is his other great love right oh right Warhammer mm-hmm. I, I can see I, him doing that yeah, yeah. full on space marine armor just <laughs> that's an expensive movie man it, it, yeah and that's just it it can't be a movie it's gotta be it's gotta be an HBO it's gotta be an HBO series and it's you know yeah and it won't matter what you do to that because whatever you do, it's going to make some fan base mad, but it's kind of great. Yeah. Although, can you imagine how much a pain in the butt it would be to constantly get notes from Games Workshop about a Warhammer movie? Yes, I can. Yeah, you work in a game store. You know exactly how much of a pain in the butt they would be. I I can, yes. Yes. Oh, uh, Seth also says that uh, Henry Cavill's calves... Uh, Henry's cat. Nope. Henry Cavill's calves feature prominently in uh, the Immortals. So oh, I, don't right. even, that... I don't even have to wait. Hmm. Uh, don't watch the Immortals. No. No. It is. It is bad. It is so so bad. At this point, I don't even know what that's about anymore. The Immortals. Uh huh. It's like a weird, like you said, like Sack said, it's a weird kind of mashup of Clash of the Titans and like every weird Greek myth. Um, like Henry Cavill played Theseus. Is everyone white in it? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Uh, except for, well, yeah, basically. Um, Luke Evans is Zeus. Like the casting was so weird. It was so mm. weird. Um. I don't yeah. even remember this movie coming well, but, out. Well, but oh, he's saying, no, but Zach is saying that Immortals is like if Clash of the Titans weren't a massive disappointment. So uh, Immortals so, is a so massive like a, disappointment, Zach. I'm not quite sure what kind of curve you're grading on there, buddy. Well, how do you compare it to Clash of the Titans? Is it worse? Uh, depending on how you watch Clash of the Titans, if you put on the most amazing metal mix ever and treat it as a music video. Okay. And see, here's the thing. Like, everyone's always talking about, like, if you put this together with this, it's amazing. I'm like, yeah, but that's not how it was designed. No, just, no. Clash of the Titans is awful. The one thing. Okay. okay Clash of the Titans go. is awful. The Immortals That's what is I awful. wanted to know. Wrath of the Titans is awful. 
I don't think they've ever made a good Greek myth movie. Like, objectively. I love the original Harryhausen um, Clash of the Titans. It is objectively not a good film. But I love it because, you know, it's Harryhausen. I'm going to love it. And the Medusa in that is actually pretty damn terrifying. The stop motion work on here is really cool. You know, I do remember seeing Clash of the Titans. And it's it's a fun movie, but not a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I... I I would say the one that is far better and also a Harryhausen movie is Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, that one's pretty good. That one's fun. Yeah, that's that's the one. Because that, um, yeah, it, it had the, like they were battling skeletons. Yeah, it was awesome skeletons. Yeah. But yeah, being like maybe, you know, don't watch the Immortals. Just type in Henry Cavill Immortals on YouTube and you'll see all his shirtless scenes. He does run around a lot with a sword and or a spear. Or I can just watch The Witcher again. That's true. Yeah. You you get a a lot of Henry Cavill in that one. Mm -hmm. You do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So. Your juice. Someone did a video with, when they count they counted all his mm, fucks like the entire like someone counted every single one of them mm. pretty great what was the final count I don't remember it was high it was very very high I, I know that that was like, that was the immediate go to phrase for me for like the two weeks after <laughs> watching that it was, was I remember all right I have to turn off Google image search for the immortals because it's just so bad. <laughs> Over here, over here. It's just relentlessly awful. You. Get out of here. Oh my God. Go away. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there you go. I'm done. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, these were all the shows and movies that we're not talking about. Yeah, tonight. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the Eternals trailer also dropped. We can mention that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. about how it doesn't tell you anything other than the Eternals movies. <laughs> well, do we want to jump into the Bad Batch first though? Uh, Sure. So we're la 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 la. Uh, well, so I watched Pacific Room two over the weekend, and that was the most memorable thing from that. It's the fact that they use that meme in the movie. That's awesome. That movie is not, not good. good. No, no, not at all. I I think. 15 minutes in, I looked at Merrick and went, oh, oh, I see what you mean. This is just a generic action movie with giant robots. And then they went, hey, let's actually use it for the Pacific Rim franchise. Right. It's like, why? Basically. This is awful. Yeah, it was not good. No. Um, you know what is good, though, is the Bad Batch. We're going to be yes. talking about episodes <laughs> three and four. All um, right. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember the titles of them all. Uh, uh, episode three is called uh, Replacements uh, okay. because it largely focuses on what Tarkin and Tarkin adjacent folks want to do instead of having uh, manufacture instead of manufacturing clones, which takes right. a while. It's pretty expensive. Meanwhile, other people argue that like nothing's ever going to be as loyal or as um, what's the word. 
as the, like they're designed. They are the clones are designed and raised, you know, from the moment they come out of their capsules to be right soldiers. Mm-hmm. And and like no amount of like volunteerism is going to replace genetic modifications and lifelong training. Yeah, it is interesting to see this story because we know eventually stormtroopers are all conscripts. Mm-hmm. You know, that allegedly are loyal to the Empire, but you can't use the term conscripts and loyal in really in the same sentence. They do not go well, well together. You can use you can use our own American military system as a parallel. Everyone always talks about, I had a whole Twitter conversation about this recently. They love to talk about how we have the world's only all-volunteer army. But just because everyone volunteered (laughs) does not mean that everyone is operating on the same level of patriotism, devotion to a cause, or... Or, you know, you have any have any feelings about it at all. For a lot of people, it's the only option. Right. And I think you get a little bit of that when you first meet Finn um, as a stormtrooper. He's like, I didn't really have anything else going on. This is this was my option. You know, you can either live on like some backwater planet with like little resources and like really bad inflation and not a lot of opportunities in life, or you can join the empire which you may or may not know the extent of their you know evil doing right. and well, and it gets you out to see the world and make some money i think finn was actually kidnapped as a baby dang it yeah sorry because that okay, was a so whole he, plot okay, thread so, oh. that, that was a whole plot thread that they dropped uh in the rise of skywalker in that the new order was just stealing kids mm-hmm. uh the more darker element that's a poor choice of words is that the only two quote freed stormtroopers we ever saw were two black people Mm. so you know that was layered on they didn't explore that yeah well so that's a bad example yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i see what you're saying b i i your twitter i remember that it made sense like yeah we claim to be an all-volunteer the only the largest and the only all-volunteer military in the world I'm like, yeah, you know what? You grow it up in get a you as far shit- as you think it does. Yeah, you grow up in a little shithole town, and your options are Walmart and meth, or you know, the army recruiters like, hey, do you want to not live in this shithole town? Come join the army or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's volunteering, and then there's volunteering, mm-hmm. and um, if you have predatory recruitment practices, mm-hmm. you're not volunteering. It's oh yeah. Like you're getting the same deal as anyone who's signed up for a free vacation. All you have to do is sit in a four hour conference about a timeshare. <laughs> oh man, I was this close one time. Um to buying into the timeshare? Yes. Mm. Like doing the math and talking about you'd be losing money not to, you know. <laughs> it's like I I'd lose money definitely if I did. um so yeah that's that's sort of the the premise of of the replacements is like the main focus of that episode is Mm -hmm. right sort of like the the debate between sticking with clones and versus moving on to conscripted uh soldiers um there's also mentioned that uh the original dna 
sequence mm-hmm. from from Django Fett is mm-hmm. deteriorating. I mean, it's already been like eighteen years. No, not they... at this no, point. It's been like four. Well, no, since he was first. Yep. They yeah, first no. began cloning him. The Clone Wars yes. lasted about four years. Okay. About three and a half years. Yeah. And they were probably developing that um, a good two to three years before that. So yeah, even that because whatever Sifo-Dyas was actually Dooku, right? Right. You find like Sifo-Dyas had placed the order for the Republic like a decade before Attack of the Clones. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Wait, I thought a Jedi did it. They did. He was secretly Master Jedi Sifo-Dyas. Master Sifo-Dyas. Yeah, who became oh, just... Count Dooku? Okay. Yeah, it, it, I know. How I it, it. They glaze fine. over it pretty fast at Attack of the Clones. Also. It's because it's unnecessarily convoluted and does mm. not never gives you a direct answer. They don't circle back to Sifo-Dyas in the movies or in no. the television show to explain. Yeah, who Sifo-Dyas was. Okay. Yeah, that name. That name isn't even the one that's in my brain. Uh, from the Clone Wars stuff, where they, yeah, the movie attack, the Attack of the Clones, when um, Obi Wan Kenobi shows up, it's like, oh, you must be here to um, claim the order that Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas placed, and he's like, yes, <laughs> of course, right. Would you I remember like that? To... I guess it's just the names that I've got all twisted. Yeah, on. it's not. Yeah. And it's because that's the only time, like, Sifo-Dyas is mentioned there and is not mentioned again, and it's not explained who the hell it was. Right. And you have to go through, like, two books, a comic series, and I think six episodes of the Clone War TV series to figure <laughs> out that Sifo-Dyas was an alias that um, Count Dooku was using. Yeah. Or or he was he was another Jedi Master, but he had died. Twenty years. I don't remember, but like this had actually happened. That's what I was remembering. And Yoda was also his his teacher. Yeah, it it was an alias that someone used, and it was it was all a lie. It was bad writing, is what it was. Just like the king. (laughs) Um. So yeah, I think the big shock. I think the big thing they really want to drive home in episode three is uh, how dangerous Crosshair has become. Mm -hmm. But that. You could argue that it still probably isn't his fault. So I do wonder if we're going to get some kind of heroic face turn from Crosshair that will, in the end, he'll die. I Uh, feel, I think by when they discuss it with Omega and Omega explains, oh, it's a chip. That's what's going on with his head. Yeah. Um, He's all, it's like, this isn't Crosshair's fault. He's programmed. It's like, he's all the same way. Yeah, she has that great line when she's looking at. I mean, maybe it's even in episode two, when Omega looks at Crosshair and says, "Like, I know what you're going to do, and it's not your fault." Mm-hmm. Like Omega knows, like you're gonna end up fighting your friends, and there's it's it's not your fault. You can't help it. Um, but it, I do like how it shows that the transition from like Republic troopers into Empire stormtroopers is not easy because you've got those four stormtroopers who are incredibly loyal to the now empire. They want to bring order and peace to the galaxy. And when crosshairs like finish the mission, kill civilians, they're like, Whoa, wait a minute. This is not what we signed up. This is not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to protect the citizens of the empire. And he's like, no, your order 
was to clear out this camp, period. Mm-hmm. So the moment that one's like, I'm not doing this, a crotch whacks him. And it's the, okay, now you guys have your choice. Like, I will finish the mission alone, or you finish the mission. You know, and we know how that turns out. <laughs> yep. And I, f- I really appreciated that they showed that on screen because it's I think part of the problem with the descent into fascism is that whenever it's depicted in media it's either grossly overstated so it feels like caricature Mm -hmm. or they turn away from it Um, because no it's going to be too horrible but people will get the implication it's like no Clearly, we don't. We we have the past four years have Observe. shown us that yes. if we don't actively show you what fascism looks like and say, right. "This is you. This is the decision that you're going to end up making if you're forced to make it." Yeah, yeah. You, you need to see that, and I'm glad that they are not shying away from that. Yeah, which is impressive considering this is still a show for kids. You know, kids need to know what fascism is and how to combat it. Yes, but I'm saying and how they approach the storytelling is impressive. I, I think it's uh, along the same lines of um, how Neil Gaiman has always thought about um, telling stories to children, which is stop height, stop um, making stop it trying safe. to protect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah. kids know, kids fucking know, and the more you try to act like everything's fine, the more they want to like really know what's what's the details. Yeah. They want to. Why are you lying to me? It. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's that uh, I'm going to jump again completely. It's uh, that first um, season of Matt Smith as uh, Doctor Who, where tiny Amy Pond looks looks at him and he's like, he's like, everything's going to be fine. She's like, are, are you just telling me that? He's like, yeah, you, you know when adults are, you know, they want you to be calm and let you know that everything's okay, but everything is not okay. Everything's going to be fine. She's like. Gotcha. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, I know there's the, the, you know, the B plot, which interesting. I, I guess the B plot in episode three is the thing with Crosshair, but I actually find it to be the more interesting streak in that episode. Oh, I took that to be the A plot too. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's how I thought at it, but I don't think it's meant to be. Because um, honestly, I don't remember a whole lot that happens with you know troop 99 or whatever uh they uh do an emergency landing on a planet with inhospitable uh, oh that's right breathing right. conditions and uh they chase down a um phosphorescent um cousin to the what are those things those uh things that from empire strikes back minox minox it's a minox lizard yeah. yeah, that's the B plot is they, they they have to retrieve or like recover that piece from right, that critter. That's right. And then there's the tertiary plot point from that, which is like Omega doesn't really have her own place within within the group and within the ship. She wants mm-hmm. to be part of the squad. Everyone's treating her like a child, but she's way more advanced than that. Um, and then just uh, so that that other element of like making room for her, you know, actually making a room for her, yeah. a place of her own so that she can be comfortable the way everyone else is. Right. 
and treated like a capable member of the group. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that was important about that, that storyline is that Omega achieved the, um, the goal of the mission without loss of life. Right. She's go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's like, that's, that's not what Hunter would have done. It's not necessarily what tech or um, wrecker or echo would have done, but it it is what she, she did. She assessed every option available to her and killing the thing was an option. But when she figured out that wasn't necessary, she went, Oh, I don't, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to kind of think about in that, you know, she is a clone. She has the similar design as, you know, the bad batch. Mm-hmm. She picked um, up. How, she picked up how to track just by watching Hunter. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, like tracking is a lot more than just like a couple physical actions. There's like the the why and the how of it. And and she never got an explanation, but she used those same skills immediately. Right. So I think I, I think we're going to uncover that she actually probably has a number of latent skills. You know, like the the everyone in Unit ninety nine has like one specific thing that they're excellent at and i think that as we continue to move along she's just going to happen to be good at most of those things she's going to be the amazo it's she's uh, going to be the omega yeah her her (laughs) variant uh, her variation um is uh, mimetic Mm. Mm -hmm. she's uh, that was the thing that merrick said to me on the first episode she's like whatever she sees she can do yeah. Mm. She watches Crosshair um, sharpshoot. She picks up a blaster that she's never held before and shoots the gun out of his hand. That's and right. She did watch used- him do it before yep. she mm-hmm. did it. Oh, and yeah. she didn't have a sight. Yeah. She yeah. just like eyeballed that. It's like, nope. <laughs> That's the thing where everyone's like, oh, she's she's a force sensitive clone. This is a precursor to uh, the clones of Palpatine. I kind of think this is the test run. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, because if there's one thing Dave Filoni is good at, it's fixing mistakes done by trilogies. Yep. <laughs> Tying up stupid ends. Oh, he's been stitching together the Star Wars universe since the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I swear, that dude knows the story better than George does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're wrong on that shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I still love watching his breakdown of what the the prequels are really about, and it's Anakin needing a father and never having a father. Oof. Oh yeah, it's and he it's like a three minute thing he says, and it's so good. But we should jump on to episode four of the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yes. So me... where Which... unfortunately Cable's estimate about who Fennec Shan was going to be was wrong. Uh, was wrong. <laughs> I was Aww. so glad about that. It was awesome. Yeah. I said no, that. I'm like, Shan oh, look at that. I've always wrong. been Fennec Shan. You know? <laughs> so episode four is called Cornered. Mm-hmm. Um, they stop at, uh, I'm sure they give a name, but I don't remember it now. They, they stop somewhere to um, do some repairs on the ship. And they're also trying to get some tracking stuff figured out, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, and so Hunter and Omega get off the ship and they're in the local market trying to pick up supplies when um, 
Omega gets a little bit distracted and a little bit far away from the group. And then she gets fully separated and runs into... Whoa, what was that? Irma. Irma heard something in the hall. Mm. She's our early Uh, warning system. Uh, so Omega bumps into bumps into Fennec Shand, who offers to help her find her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not at all what she's trying to do. So I think the the big question is who hired Fennec Shand? Mm-hmm. Because Fennec Shand was sent there to find Omega. She wasn't sent to take out um, the Bad Batch. She's not hunting any of them. She's only hunting Omega. And she's reporting to someone else. So someone has hired her to bring back Omega and we don't know who. No, yeah. Um, I can't think of the name of the the race, but they're the the, the ones who make and train and and raise oh, the, all the of Kaminoans. the clones. The Kaminoans. The Kaminoans, got Sorry, it's driving me nuts. Um, I assumed it was the Kaminoans because they, as mentioned in the previous episode, Jango Fett's genetic material is deteriorating, and they they vaguely mention, but not uh, with any specifics. Uh, there we have the DNA that we need in order to like move into next steps of improved cloning. Like, oh yeah, but they won't come back on their own. That's okay. We only need one, and they don't have to come willingly. Right. So that is, I, I, I assume that that is them alluding to needing either anyone from Order ninety nine, Unit ninety nine, or um, or Omega. Hmm. And like as been as been as has been mentioned before, um, Hunter referred referred to her as a defective clone, and I believe episode two might have been one. Um, and the response was, no, she was she was designed differently for a specific reason, just like everyone in your in your group. Right. Uh, we just don't know what that reason is. And so my assumption is the Kaminoans need Omega back because she's part of their like next phase of cloning. Agreed. Yeah. I I think that uh I don't know. I feel like the the Kaminoans have a line on how to bring them any of them back without the use of bounty hunters. I feel like there's a third party that we don't know about yet. Yeah, I I'm wondering that too and I'm wondering with this timeline if we're going to start seeing more in addition to like the rise of the empire, you know, and, and all of Tarkin's plans, mm-hmm. um, if the bad batch is also going to touch on more of the criminal side of the star Wars universe. So the, you know, was it the uh, black sun, which I, I think the is black sun is canon, even though they've never been referenced much. And then the, what's the one from solo, that group, that's the, the crimson, Oh, I don't remember. I can sworn that the one from Solo was was Crimson Sun Sun something. Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. Thank yeah. you. You know, so there's you know the various Hut 
families, Crimson Dawn. Um, the I don't Black know. Sun is Prince Zizor. Right. Um, when was his storyline supposed to take place? Was that between Empire and Jedi or between um, A New Hope the, and The Empire? one with Black Sun? Yeah. That's between Empire and um, Jedi. Jedi. Okay. But I don't know if Black Sun is considered canon anymore. And Prince, I think it is. Prince Shizor. Shizor. Um, I feel like uh, when uh, Maul is reintroduced in the latter half of the Clone Wars. Uh, oh, shit. No, he is real. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like he, he mentions Black Sun. Yep. As well as Crimson Dawn. Yep, nope, he's he's there. Yeah. Oh shit. There's an actual there's a shot there in the Clone Wars and the race, the Falleen. All mm. right, well that's yeah. So maybe we do get more of that. You that, know, more, that would be more okay. of that being yeah, it'd be kind of interesting. I'd be good with that. Like the um, ultimately the um there are sixteen episodes of the Bad Batch, and I think like the first and the last episode are an hour each, and all the rest of them are half an hour. Yeah, which still means it's an eight-hour series total. Sure. Um, so, but by breaking it up into smaller parts, they can tell more uh, over here and over here and over here stories. Yeah, um, than you could with say Falcon and Winter Soldier, where right. you only had a fl- finite amount of time to do that all in. Hi, cat. That's right. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I, I do hope I don't run. I have been enjoying the bad batch a lot. I do hope like the story moves forward. This has felt like a series of like on the road. I, it's felt but, a lot like certain like D and D things of like, we have to stop at this tavern now. Oh, something happens. And then we have to stop at this outpost just to get some, just to rest. Oh, something happened. And like the story isn't happening yet. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I kind of want. For as much as action, I'm enjoying it. I kind of want something to happen. I feel like we're gonna get about six to eight episodes in, and it'll feel like oh, they're just doing filler until about that eighth episode where you go, "Hang on a second. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. now I see how they all link up. Yeah, I, I think they're, it's they're dropping be a... a lot of hints and stuff. I think you're right, Aaron. I think it's moving very slowly and not, Mm -hmm. but it's because they're waiting to show you the piece of connective tissue between all of it. And then retroactively you look back and go, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, And I do enjoy anytime. I mean, he's such a, he's such a great villain, but I do kind of love it watching whenever Tarkin's on screen. Mm Mm-hmm just playing every single angle and every angle leads back to him mm-hmm. you know i i honestly love the implication that the emperor is more concerned about tarkin's ambition than vader's power uh yeah the emperor knows vader's soft targets he knows where to poke him to get him to do shit tarkin mm-hmm. is tarkin is dangerous yeah you know? the emperor wants his disciples like trying to curry his favor and like working to impress him all the time but he's always ready to like knock anyone down a few pegs if they get a little too ambitious 
but Targan is a lot more, he's not trying to please anybody. He's not trying to impress or curry favor with the emperor. And so that's more dangerous. He has his own motives and, and his own, um, I guess like inside group of people he may or may not discuss things with. And the emperor is not one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's dangerous is the emperor craves power and control. Like that's the emperor's jam. Tarkin is a true believer in absolute order of the galaxy, his order. He has no illusions that he will not be able to bring it with him. He knows he's going to die one day. So he wants the universe perfect for whoever he leaves it for. Mm-hmm. You know, he believes in the commission for the preservation of the new order. Like he believes in that. You know, the Death Star is the Tarkin doctrine. It's like rule through fear. You know, there's no more crime. There's no one, nothing goes bad anymore. But, but you're, cause, cause you're living under him kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, Tarkin's a zealot. He just believes in it. And that's more dangerous than the guy who just really likes to have power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see where the next episode of the show leads. What is the name of the next episode? Uh, episode five. <sighs> yeah, they've been really good about not telling you. Yeah. Right. There's there's name for it yet. Which is good. Uh, I still want uh, Dee Bradley Baker to receive some sort of Lifetime Achievement Award from some, <laughs> an Emmy, an Oscar, something. I, I like for doing, doing five different for doing five <laughs> different voices, but making them also sound like they come from the same genetic material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little nuts. Like, and it's not just for like his. I want to see him get it for Clone Wars, Bad Batch and rebels like he's been mm-hmm. doing this for over a decade yeah and he just keeps going <laughs> yeah uh, you know what's you know what's been a little bit weird for me is how much stronger omega's accent is than anyone who is a clone any of the other any of the male clones basically yeah it is definitely a stronger new zealand accent very strong new zealand accent I think that's because the actress is from New Zealand, right? right. Oh. But it just but it 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 draws attention to the fact that none of the clones have a heavy New Zealand accent. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that. I don't dislike it. I I actually really enjoy the New Zealand uh, voice, but uh, <laughs> it's just like a weird thing that I noticed. Yeah, I'd never questioned it before. <laughs> I- and I think that's because, like, again, I love D. Bradley Baker's take, but he is a white man. Yeah. And um, Tamara Morrison is not. Right. Yeah. Tamara mm-hmm. Morrison is a New Zealander. So. D. Bradley Baker has done a pretty good approximation thereof. For, for like... As Aaron was saying, like over forty different versions of the yeah. same character. Yes, it's just absolutely. madness how many characters he plays for sure. I don't think there's anything you can compare it to in the voice acting world. Um, uh, Mel Blank. Mel, Mel Blank. Blank, the only person that I could compare it to. Yeah, and he's the work that he's done is on par with that. Yeah, but those are all different characters. They are, um, which is. I would I would say you could argue is easier than 
40 different characters who are technically the same dude. Mm -hmm. I think Mel Blanc's challenge was 40 different characters (laughs) had to sound different, even though they all came from the same person. Yeah. Both both really impressive. Yeah, no. For sure. But yeah, that's the only person I can point to and go, that's who's done the same body of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I feel you. So should we move on to the trailers and stuff? I think so. Yeah. What do we uh, want? Which one do we want to do first? Well, do we want to mention, did you guys watch The Eternals? This is the perfect spot to take a break and talk about our awesome sponsors. First up, Guardian Games. They have been our longest sponsor, and you can find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Um, so if all of us talking about Star Wars and, and the Bad Batch and Rebels and all that stuff, if that sounds something that you'd want to continue but tell your own stories for, well, good news! There is a huge collection of Star Wars games of all types at Guardian Games. There is the uh, role-playing game from Fantasy Flight that lets you play at different eras, different types of games. You want to run just scoundrels, there's the Edge of the Empire. You want the Jedi stuff, there's the Force Wielders book. You want to fight, play in the era of Rebellion... Clone Wars, seriously, there is a ton of different Star Wars RPG, and they're all interchangeable. There is also Star Wars miniature games. There's Starship Combat. There's Capital Ships Combat. There is, like, Descent-style board games, like the Build the Dungeon as You Go type board games. What I'm saying is that if you want to get your Star Wars on in person, Guardian Games is where you go, in addition to everything else they sell there. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there... Thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Just like Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Um, Yeah, doesn't matter what kind of comic you're into, Bridge City Comics is going to have it. If they don't have it, they can order it. um, Because comics is a medium, not a genre. Doesn't matter what kind of stories you like. Chances are pretty good there's a comic book about it. Even, you know, historical and biography comics. You know, our friend David Walker wrote uh, wrote History of the Black Panther Party. Um, there are books on revolutionaries. There are books on labor movements, uh, women's suffragette movements. Um, you know, really, if it's been taught probably poorly in a history class when you were a kid... I can almost guarantee that uh, someone did more research and made an amazing graphic novel out of that subject in history. So comics aren't just for fun reading. Uh, they're for learning reading, too. Uh, but you can still have fun doing that. So, yeah, check it out. Um, go over to Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon, and pick yourself some books up. Weird way to say that. And while you're there, uh, give Michael a big old thanks for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio who was brought to you for the past over a year now with some help by Rev Nats from Rev Nats Hard Cider, who has been loaning us some equipment so the show continues to sound crisp and clean as we record in different areas of the town. Uh, we are starting to talk about maybe being able to meet together. Uh, we may still end up just swiping Rev Nats equipment, so... Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, but a big thanks to him for helping us sound crisp and clear during these uh, pandemic times. Revnat's hard cider, who has kept us all uh, nice and even keel through through the lock-ins. Let's get back to the show. 
Yes. Yeah. I thought we were going to talk about that one anyway. So yeah. That well, let's start with the Eternals. All right. Um, looks pretty. So I know. I think I talked about this before. I don't know anything about the Eternals. I've never read the book. I know nothing about it. Absolutely it, nothing. I don't know a whole lot either, other than it's. It was when Kirby came went back to Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, because he left he left Marvel and basically created the new gods, and Marvel was like, ah, damn it. <laughs> you know, so when they lured him back, they're like, do whatever you want. And he's like, oh, okay. And he created the Eternals. I think the basic premise is that they have they're you know, they're aliens, kind of, who have lived among humanity since the beginning, claiming to just observe and never get involved. Except it's hinted that the Eternals taught some humans like, hey, here's how blacksmithing works. Oh, here's how you write. Um, so yeah. they totally got involved. Yeah. Well, that thank you. And, thank you for that primer, by the way. Yeah. That and if you just look at their names, it's like, oh, okay. You have Angelina Jolie playing Athena, which is, well, that's where Athena comes from. So right. Hayek is Ajax, which is Ajax. Yeah. Uh, uh, Richard Madden is Icarus, which is Icarus. Yeah. Um, what was uh, that? Hang on. Interesting. Um, uh, while, while Cable is distracted, I want to share uh, from the chat. <laughs> Stack says that, uh, so like the first clone out of the shoot, or the Cloneka, as we're not going to call it, uh, was like full Taika Waititi. <laughs> and then as you copy your copies, eventually you end up with a Nebraska accent. That would be weird. Hey, man, uh, I guess I'm going to be the first clone. Um, uh, I guess I'm going to be fighting some robots. I don't want to fight robots because I think they're kind of cute. But uh, I guess that's what I have to do. So, um, Except these big burly ones. I don't like those so much. Don't like them? No. I guess uh, give, me a, give me a blaster. Not a really big blaster because my arms are still kind of weak because, like I said, I just came out of a shoot. <laughs> out of the clonic, cl- clon- clonica. That's right. No. <laughs> no, no. Sack is banned. Again. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really know what the Eternals are going to be about. I know it's going to probably look just so pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm. It it looks appealing enough that I'm even going to ignore the fact that Angelina Jolie is in it. I Ooh. forgot how much you don't like her. Okay. Um, like, I'm also very cool. Glad to see Salma Hayek getting a slight resurgence again. Mm-hmm. Now that Harvey Weinstein's in jail, mm-hmm. she was mm-hmm. one of the first ones to go after him, and her career mm-hmm. vanished. So, um, I I think it's uh, like this is a, they're reusing one of their actors. Uh, Kim Chan was in Captain Marvel as Minerva. Oh, that's okay. I was like, I know I'd seen her, you know. Yep. Yeah. But this is looks like it's a much bigger and better role. You have the uh, two actors that played Brothers from the North. You have Richard Madden and Kit Harrington both in it. Yep. Um, I think okay. Kit's a human. I think Richard's an eternal. That's what I'm Richard guessing. Madden is Icarus, and Kit Harrington okay. is Dane Whitman. Oh, yeah. I'm excited Har- for the potential of Kit Harrington being in something good. He is no kidding. He is he, not a big uh, fan of Silent Hill 2, are you? Oh, I haven't seen Silent Hill 2. I was thinking of Pompeii. 
he is the star of that movie and it is so bad. And I was so disappointed for him because, you know, like it's one thing to be really famous on something as like, as like huge ensemble as Game of Thrones. Yeah. And then like your, your next big thing is Pompeii. That's gotta hurt, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, he goes, um, or he, he goes on to become the Black Knight. Oh shit! Right, right. Yep, mm. that's one of the few things I know. It's like, wait, that's the Black Knight. Uh, yeah. Hey, Doc, um, I, I think the the thing that's really going to help the um, the profile of this movie, since most people don't know who the hell the, the Eternals are, mm-hmm. is the director of the movie is Chloe Zhang. Yeah, who mm-hmm. just won an Academy Award for Nomadland. Yeah. Zhao. Chloe Zhao. Chloe Zhao. And what I also love is that part of her agreement to film The Eternals is that she was basically like, I don't want to do as much green screen as we usually do. She's like, the scenery we need exists in the world. So a lot of those those huge sweeping vistas you see, like they just went and filmed there. She's like, I, I, she wants as much practical as she possibly can, which is Good. tricky in a Marvel film, but she's, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to see as many green screen sets in the Eternals as you have on almost any other Marvel film. And I'm I, okay I think that's that. pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty great. I think it's good. I'm a big fan of practical. Yeah, so it'll be a, a lot of fun. I think it's going to be really good. Um, it's going to be gorgeous for sure. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I've heard a couple like, you know, like no one knows who the Eternals are. This is going to bomb. And I was like, how much y'all think back to about six years ago when you were all like, who the fuck are the Guardians of the Galaxy? This exactly. is stupid. What about I was when Blade first I... came out? Yeah, well, no one expected Blade. Um, you know, I was pumped for it, but my love of Marvel is not is not mutants or Avengers. I like their cosmic shit and their horror shit. Like, that's my Marvel jam. So I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I keep I keep hoping and hoping for a Midnight Suns movie. Like, oh, it'd be amazing. Man, that's where you bring Ghost Rider back. Ghost Rider, Blade, Werewolf by Night, Lilith. Hell yeah. What's, ooh, ooh, what's Brother Lilith? Voodoo. It's an awkward name, but he's a cool looking character. <laughs> he's supposed to be in um, Multiverse of Madness. Brother Voodoo? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. I don't know where I've heard that. But, but again, I, I, The Eternals is the second of three. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and count Black Widow. It's the third of four Marvel movies coming out this year. Because yeah, we get we, Black Widow. Didn't Black Widow release? Is it this weekend? No. I think it's Memorial Day weekend. So this is weekend. Memorial Day weekend. Oh, well, maybe it's coming out Friday. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, but So there's Black Widow. They're followed by Shang-Chi. Then The Eternals. And then Spider-Man um, No Way Home. Mm. Right. I'm still one behind on the Spider-Mans. Spider-Mans. Yeah. <laughs> You you need to watch Far From Home. Yeah. I do. I actually I wanted to. It's not like I wasn't interested in it. I just didn't get to it. Mm. 
um, if he's not uh, brother voodoo is not yet in the cast list for uh, multiverse of madness the only six people who are listed are um, Rachel McAdams Benedict Cumberbatch Benedict Wong um, Elizabeth Olsen Chiwetel Ejiofor and uh, I don't know how to pronounce this X O C H I T L. What is it? Hold on. X O C H I T L. Shotil? No, Shotilt? Shotil Gomez is playing America Chavez. Okay. Yeah, that would actually be her. Yeah, so it's basically it's a Spanish version of Yotil. It's a it's a Nahuatl name. Nahuatl name. I'm yeah, trying to learn it, and making your mouth move that way is a completely different way of speaking. Isn't that a little bit unfair? Like, shouldn't shouldn't our mouths naturally be able to make those sounds? No, because they got colonized. Why does it? Why does it, why they does it feel like I'm trying to speak Russian? No, that's, I'm not that's, saying that. I'm that's sorry, not but how no. That works. No, I said it. I walked right into. I don't care. You did, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going there with you. You know what? Uh, that's the name of this episode. They colonized our mouths. That's right. Why not? Sure. Anyway. Uh, so, it feels itchy now. Um, I, I, yeah, no, I can't. I can't do it. I'm, That's uh, fine. It's okay. Uh, um, so, now I just feel yeah. like I'm being disrespectful to the name. So it's it's hard to pronounce, and don't feel bad. Yeah, well, if you make them tip, it's fine. But it's hard to pronounce. I just think it's going to be great that they're going to put uh, the character of America Chavez in a movie. Yeah, she's part, the character's Puerto Rican, right? I think I don't remember the character. She's American. That's that's all. That's all I got. Yeah, the character is. I I don't know what nationality she's supposed to be because she's not from the same earth she's not that's from right earth. yeah yeah she's not from 616 she's from a different different universe that's why she, part of her superpower is she can literally punch through dimensional barriers right and travel travel enter through dimensions and through universes well, damn i really don't know anything about america chavez oh she's badass she's pretty cool yeah like I know she looks cool, but that yeah. I, I did not know that she was from a different planet. I did not know that she could punch through universes. She, she's, I guess she's not from a different planet. She's just from a different Earth. Yes. Mm. Oh. Uh, and she, she was raised by her two moms, and she has similar superpowers to the two of them. Like both of her parents and her home world are both superheroes. Mm. Oh, Beck in for the assist. Uh, the actress pronounces it Sochi. Sochi. Oh, okay. Thank you, Beth. Uh, America Chavez is from Earth TRN 684. Also known as the Utopian Parallel. I, man, it's a weird. It, she first showed up, I believe, because of Secret Wars. Secret. She showed up in Secret Warriors. So mm-hmm. things get weird there. It's fine. I know her um, mostly from Young Avengers. Yeah, Which, that's again, is why they've been seeding so many of these characters in these other movies is they're doing something with Young Avengers. Otherwise, why would you do that? Like, yeah. we've already got um, the Patriot in Falcon and Winter Soldier. We've got America Chavez in Doctor and Strange movie. We've got, got Wiccan. And Speed. Speed. From 
WandaVision. Um, yeah. And then Hawkeye has her own goddamn show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you want to jump into which one? Yeah, Let's what was next? Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. Since that is Marvel adjacent. Yeah, kind of. I guess so. In, in that it stars Karen Gillan. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Not to be confused with it. Karen Gillan. No, two very different, but both wonderful people. Yes. Uh, also, well, star- got- God, it stars everyone. Yes, everyone is in this. Um, uh, yeah, it's got, you know, Lena Headley, uh, Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett, Carla Gugino. Um, yeah, it's got... The aforementioned Karen Gillan. Mm-hmm. Did you say Lena uh, Headey already? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then, you know, the other big name is uh, uh, Paul Giamatti, who is clearly going to be the villain, but I will watch Paul Giamatti in everything. Yes. I love watching that guy. <laughs> he's so good. He's a great good guy. He's a great bad guy. Like, oh, yeah. No, he's great. It doesn't matter what side he plays. It's like, yeah, you're just fun to watch. But uh, all I know so far about, you know, Gunpowder Milkshake is that it looks very John Wicky and how it's being John Wick. It's film. It looks that kind of style. It, it, it almost feels like American directors realized the genre of gung fu mm-hmm. from like the eighties, and they're like, "We could make movies like that too." Um, it looks like they also all like work out of like they're these all like hunters and killers that work out of this really badass looking library. It just looks amazing. It, it's definitely one of their like. Not safe houses, but but yeah, one of their like sites. It's, it's their inter. Uh, it's their continental. Ex- yes, exactly. Yes, there we go. And I, and I feel you can, bad. Yeah, you can get your resupply. Probably like a good meeting place. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure that Gunpowder Milkshake was supposed to have come out last year. I. Now that I've watched the trailer a couple times, I I know what image you're talking about that you where you were like first subscribed to this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a long time ago. It was about this time last year, where I'm like, "Ooh, what is this? This looks great!" And then right. nothing. Like at the time, I had no idea that Karen Gillan was in this movie, or yeah. Lena Headey. Like all I knew was uh, Michelle Yeoh, Gugino, and Bassett. It's like. Mm-hmm. From that one picture yeah it's like well that's plenty and i've been trying to dig into this uh i've just done shallow dives on imdb the director is not from around here no navet papashado papashado um he's from israel and this is his Um, fourth movie. Wow. So also, I didn't realize it's a Netflix movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So it comes out July 12th on Netflix, but it's also going to be one of those, like, also a couple weeks in the theater thing. Hmm. Well, that's fascinating. Well, good. The only... The only thing I recognize for this director, uh, Pampuchado, is ABCs of Death 2. 
Uh, not that I've seen it. It's just the only title I recognize. Right. Um, I was looking at the, the his first two movies, Rabies and Big Bad Wolves, which he wrote and directed. Uh, Rabies sounds like it's a weird survival horror movie mm-hmm. that hmm. would be up our like would be worth our time to check out. And For sure. Yeah, Big Bad Wolves is is another. It sounds like it's in the same vein as Gunpowder Milkshake in that it is revenge fantasy. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm reading the synopsis. And- yeah, where it, a, a young girl is killed and the person, people responsible for it get away with it. And so separately, a police officer and the father of the, the girl start working a case to basically take revenge on them and then meet, meet somewhere in the middle before finishing them off. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds so. I might try to seek those movies out before, uh, gunpowder milk, before I watch gunpowder milkshake to see. Yeah. I think I will too. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys beat me to it, you'll have to let me know what you think. Sure. Any of these. He also has a movie coming up called Once Upon a Time in Palestine that I'm now I'm. Hmm. I feel like I remember hearing about that. That's interesting. Oh. Oh, weird. The synopsis for it is a genre bending thriller with elements of spaghetti westerns, war movies, and romantic comedies, and silent movies. Set in British ruled Palestine in 1946. Oh man! So right before Britain, yep, told is yeah, like okay, go mm-hmm. ahead and have yeah. Oh, interesting. Britain, Britain just fucks everything up every chance they get. Yep. <laughs> I'm that, super. That, that is their like that is their full on legacy. Um, I think the other person to watch for um, this movie will be Chloe Coleman. She's the little girl in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, her previous, uh, her other big movie that she was in was My Spy with Dave Bautista. It was kind of a cute movie. It looks cute. I haven't gotten around to watching it, but it looks it's, cute. It's cute. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is cute. It's not going to like, yeah, it's not going to make you it's not going to redefine any kind of, you know, mismatched pair action movie spy genre subgenre movie, but it's still cute. It's usually with things like that. It's like, oh, they put these kids in this movie with these people. And we've already seen how these people use their fame and their uh their skills and what they pass down to other generations of actors. That's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, because we get a movie like this about every 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, Chloe Coleman is uh, not quite 13 yet, and she already has 28 after credits. Mm-hmm. So, busy kid. Yeah. So, some big title stuff on here, too. I mean, like, some of these might have been like really small roles on oh, you know, TV shows and stuff, but. She's been on Glee and a couple HBO things. She's currently filming Dungeons and Dragons. What? Why isn't that on the IMDb? It is. It's <laughs> the top of her list. 
Not on mine. Uh, are you looking at it on your phone? Yeah. It's, ah, because it's on the problem? other page for um, projects and development. I see. So, and that movie has uh, Chris Pine, Hugh Grant, Michelle Rodriguez, and Justice Smith. Nice. Oh, man. I re- Yeah. I've been wanting to watch this Dungeons and Dragons the second I heard Chris Pine was involved. So, mm. just want it to be good, please. It'll, it'll, uh, I will take average. I was going to say, true. like, today's average versus anything that came before is already a leg up, right? Yeah. When we're true. talking about, like, remakes or reboots of things that did not do well in the past. <laughs> Who, someone was just talking about Reign of Fire. Oh man! Yeah, I'm like geez. yeah, that's not a great movie. No, but dragons, mm-hmm. which is like it's really rare. You just don't get a lot of movies with dragons in them. <laughs> you don't get enough. No. So, what's the other one? The last one is uh, an Edgar Wright movie, yeah. which is also. Related in that it's a Edgar Wright movie with Matt Smith. Oh, is he in it? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's last the... night in Soho. Yep. Sorry, I beat you to the punch. That's quite all right. Um, this is not a movie I've, I had heard of until today, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in. What I think, uh, I think news like just dropped like last night or early today. I think he dropped the trade this morning. He's like, you know, if you're you know bummed out, I did this thing coming out, pop kind of thing. Yeah, and, you just uh, go what? Yeah, <laughs> it stars. I finally got it right. It's Anya Taylor Joy. Mm-hmm. Um, but also she's the the main character seems to be split between two different actresses. So it's Mm -hmm. Anya Taylor joy. And then the other young lady whose name is both not here. And there it is. uh, Thomason McKenzie. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have different names in the credits. So, and I mean, you can tell from the, the trailer, it's like two women who are, like sharing the same space or sort of like an alternate reality dream world situation. It's listed as a time travel movie, time travel oh, horror yeah. movie. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it's, I don't think she, they're sharing a body. I think she is occupying space, the same space to begin with. And then separate space later as the, like uh, the Thomas and McKenzie character, Eloise is, yeah, present day London, and Anya Taylor Joy's Sandy is sixties London. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, uh, that character is also um, a bit of a starlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says wannabe singer, but this is Eloise's idol, so yeah. she's got some level of fame, which I guarantee will be part of the connection to whatever makes this a horror. Yeah, and I love any kind of genre that allows Edgar Wright to kind of cut loose with his filming style. Yeah. He's never done, you know, the time travel thing before, so I'll be really curious to see how he visually handles it. Uh, The trailers already look really fascinating how he does it, so I can't wait for the whole film. And I'm fascinated by the fact that the 
in the trailer, it says from the director of Baby Driver. So they are specifically not going out of their way to attract Edgar Wright fans. Right. Because they know that Edgar Wright fans will just show up to watch this movie because it's Edgar Wright. Well, they also know that they're instead focusing on the one movie that had um, more mass appeal. Yes. Yeah. To an American audience and was set in America and did not, it was not part of the Cornetto trilogy. Right. The the downside to Edgar Wright movies is that we all love them, but they do not perform very well. Hmm. Uh, except I think Baby Driver was the one. So I get why they're doing that. Yeah, because that performed better than Scott Pilgrim and Scott Pilgrim had all kinds of media push. Yeah, yeah. What else has he done? By the way, like I I think it's technically like Edgar Wright? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know the name, but I can never think of things he's done. So, and I've watched Scott Pilgrim like a million times. The Coronetto trilogy is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and um, uh, World's End. Okay. World's End. Okay, that's what I thought. But I, you know, because this trailer, you know, because they're pushing the whole baby driver thing, I I thought I was getting my wires crossed. I was like, well, then who am I thinking of? Paul Fox? That, no. That's because that's The Last Night in Soho is his sixth movie. Yeah, he's... <laughs> he's been directing since... Shaun of the Dead was 2004. Yeah, but he's been directing movies, directing things since 1993. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead was his first movie. Mm. This is his sixth movie. Everything else has been very small. Yeah, he's been very much that person that just films little short stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the person that was going to direct Ant Man, and that they took he left Ant Man. Mm. Um, I think he did one of the fake trailers for Grindhouse. I don't remember, but I think he did. He did. Um, I think he produced. That's right. Don't. That's right. Um, I think he produced Attack the Block. He did. He's an executive producer. Yeah. There it He's is. still an executive producer on Ant-Man. Wow. Yeah, I Thank think that you. was a that was a WGA DGA thing. They had to leave him on as something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's done a bunch of TV, mostly miniseries, which I didn't realize, but I guess that makes sense because he he did Spaced, mm-hmm. which is a Spaced was British comedy show. show. Space if Spaced was his what? Spaced was his TV show. Mm, okay. Yeah. That that was Space was the beginning of Edgar Wright and um, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg working yeah. together and making bullshit up. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he also produced Son of Rambo, which is a very charming film that not enough people watched. Remember that. Movie. It's about two two English kids in the 80s trying to recreate their favorite Rambo movies. And it's they basically it's two kids are out to make their own version of first blood and they're like eight and nine <laughs> it's it's charming it has some like moments that are very heartbreaking but as a rule it's like charming it's that slice of life kind of thing um yeah so i'm excited for it i think i'm it's one of those movies that i think i'm gonna avoid a lot of other trailers i kind of want to be surprised by this one. Oh yeah like Easily. no expectations going hmm. into it at all type thing is how I'm feeling on, yeah, this one. Yeah, I, I'm i like, this is another one of those, this is a fun cast. 
like I, I like the stunt casting of putting Matt Smith in anything that has to do with time travel. Right. That's, <laughs> you know, that's meta funny. Right. Um, it also has Terrence Stamp and Diana Rigg. Mm-hmm. Diana Rigg's last performance, I believe. Oh, man. Um, it has the Phelps twins who they played the um, the Weasley twins in the Harry Potter movies, yeah. James and Oliver Phelps. And it also has Jesse May Lee, who is the lead on a Shadow and Bone on Netflix right now. Oh, cool. Which I, nice. I've been, I started watching that. I think I'm three or four episodes and it is goofy trash, but it's fun. Yeah. I'll check it out eventually. <laughs> it's not high on my, like I must watch it right now list, but I am going to check it out. Yeah. It's very popcorn. I, that's how I've been feeling about so many of these things that I've been, Oh, I should watch this. I should watch this. And I start watching it. And it's like, yeah, this is adequate. <laughs> Yeah. I want to watch something that makes me go, oh God, that was great. That'll do. I'm I'm sort of like I'm getting that way with, uh, I'm on a few episodes in on the third season of Westworld. Right. So I, like I'm finally catching up with everyone else on that. I still need to watch that third season. Oh, you mm-hmm. haven't seen the third season yet? No, I just keep forgetting. Yeah, there's a third season. You should watch it. And then we can talk. <laughs> nice. So yeah, those are the those are the three trailers that dropped that kind of have us pumped for what's happening this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited that it. we got three three things to be excited for all in the same window of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we might actually go to a theater this year. We'll see. I know of, of all of the things that are coming out, I know that I'm going to go watch Shang-Chi in the movie theater. Yeah. Even if I go by myself. No, I'll go. I'm not, it's funny, I'm not I'm not all that pumped for Black Widow. And I think it's because this movie just took, not even taking in COVID, the fact that it just took so fucking long for Marvel to make a Black Widow movie. And huh. She's a good performer, but I feel like Scarlett Johansson has just made some poor cast of choices in the last few years that it just really turns me off on watching her on screen. So here's the thing. I mean, if if I, I blame Marvel for the Ghost in the Shell movie. How's that? If they had just given Scarlett Johansson this goddamn movie four years ago. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, interesting. She wouldn't have felt compelled. Like, I need my... Yeah. yeah. She would not have forced herself into that, which she shouldn't have done. And and then she also did Lucy, which you could, again, argue is, like, what Oh, shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like being Ben Affleck and thinking you're never going to get to play... Batman, Batman, so you take on other shitty roles. So you take... Or, like, good roles in shitty movies. Right. (laughs) Um... I suppose you could lay some blame on Marvel, but oh, I do, I one hundred percent do. <laughs> it doesn't make me any more excited for this movie. Like, I got a little bit excited when in that big teaser that they did a couple weeks ago, but like that one was just like a fucking emotional, just like barrage, you know, mm-hmm. with the Stan Lee speech oh, and all of yeah. the old mm-hmm. footage, and then they give you a bunch of stuff to go off of for this new Black Widow, and it looks fun and exciting. But I'm like. I never care that much about Black Widow, the character 
before now, and I already know how her story ends. So, yeah, that's. I'm wrong. Black Widow doesn't come out until July. Oh, that's right. Because I think they really want a big theatrical. They when they when Marvel comes back to the theater, they want it to be big. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, still... Shang Chi is going. Shang Chi is going to be bigger than that, though. I I hope so. Yeah. I don't know that that's true. Um, I don't mean to sound like it. Yeah, I do. I do, I do mean to sound like this. Um, American audiences have, haven't proven to me that they're ready to continue to watch uh, Asian people lead movies any more than I think they're ready to <laughs> have Mexican and Latino and Hispanic people lead movies. <laughs> I, oh, sorry. I don't want to shit on your uh, misanthropy in any, you know, oh, by any means. All over it. No, no, because I because I love and respect, you know, the misanthrope in all of us. But your your statement that like, oh, I don't trust audiences to be like ready to like do that some more is faulty in that they have not had more opportunities yet. So first we have to give them the opportunities to appreciate diverse leads and casts uh, before they can fail or succeed. And well, we're just now getting to that because of that big old gap in, in storytelling. Yep. And that's, that has nothing to do with audiences that has to do with um, executive producers and um, studio executives. Yeah. I, I think, I think Fahey's going to throw some heavy weight behind Shang-Chi. I do this too. The, this is the first this is the first phase four movie that was not let in, that was not kind of you know, snuck in another Shoe movie. Horn. Like back, Black Panther shows up in Civil War. Mm-hmm. So you, you get a little taste of him knowing the Black Panther movie is coming. Shang-Chi is going to be the first one that doesn't do any of that. It's going to be the, it's going to be the first phase four because Black Widow is the end of Phase Three in a weird way, um, Shang Chi launches the next phase. If I get the or- release order correct, mm. um, and even you know Spider Man No Way Home is in between the two, in terms of like this is the path Marvel's now going. So I can't imagine Feige not just doing the full court push. The only thing that will hurt it, I think, is people still not being totally comfortable coming out and seeing it over and over again because of the lingering pandemic like they did with Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Like people saw Black Panther over and over and over again for good reasons. That's, I think, the only thing that could really hurt Shang-Chi's chances. Assuming it's a well-made movie. If it ends up being a pile of shit, then that's that's on the filmmakers. Yeah. You know? um, I, I, I do agree with you about uh, Feige being behind uh, doing a full court press for Shang-Chi, especially yeah. since he is like, I, I appreciate the fact that was it just last week that he came out and said, Oh yeah. Um, whitewashing the ancient one for Dr. Mm. Strange. That was 100% a mistake. And I screwed up. Yeah. He publicly said that he's like, no, that, that was a mistake. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. We thought we were being really smart. We thought we were doing something different by casting this here and casting this here and trying to do this and tell the story this way. And then we got it to theaters and went, oh, fuck. Yeah. We shouldn't have done that. And it's like, 
and this is not a knock on Tilda Swinton at all. She was fantastic. She was great. Mm-hmm. We fucked up. We should not have cast her that way. It's like, or we should like, if we had cast an Asian man as Doctor Strange, and then had Tilda Swinton be a, a white character as the Asian one, that would have been fine. If we had done this, if we had done this. And I think that's because he's been watching Shang-Chi get made and go, ah, fuck. That's, that's how you do that. That's how you use all of these. This is how you tell these stories without resorting to those stereotypes. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. And I think we talked about this before Dr. Strange even came out cable. You and I, you're, you were always, you were kind of like the, I think you told me something at one time about the problem with casting the master is that either way you're going to come off kind of offensive. Mm -hmm. If you cast it as an Asian person, you're leading into that stereotype. If you play with race, well, then you're denying like, I remember you saying they're like, that character is so problematic that you just kind of pick the best of the worst choices you've got. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have the master as a character, you know? Yeah. Ancient one. Ancient one. I'm sorry. Not the master. Ancient one. Uh, Yeah. So. You know, they could have gone the golden child route, made it a kid. They but you still have. have to choose an ethnicity. No, I know. That's what I mean. There's no. And see, like, I, I really enjoyed the the idea that, like, Tilda Swinton, T- Tilda Swinton is just fucking, is already, like, immortal and ethereal anyway. So, like, she can be anything she wants. Not in the Scarlett Johansson way. Correct. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's like replacing fucking what's his face with uh Tignataro. Yep, that works. Tig is excellent. She can do whatever she wants. There's there's she, she can replace anything and anyone. I have yet to watch Army of the Dead, and I think <sighs> my favorite review that I have read comes from Baron Von Gulo. And Go that on. was I am watching Army of the Dead. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if this is a horror movie. I don't know if I can give this the barren seal of approval. What I do know, I love Tig Notaro. I love T- Tig Notaro in this and anything that she's ever done and ever will do that I haven't watched yet. <laughs> and it has a zombie tiger. You didn't mention that. Oh, I don't remember. I but. think my favorite review that I read of Army of the Dead is... <laughs> Someone said, Army of the Dead is what happens when you let a libertarian try to tell a socialist story. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's the most perfect review of that movie I've ever read. Okay, so now I want to watch it. It's, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. For reasons, I have watched it twice. And, yeah. Did you do a review on it for someone else? Huh? Did you do it? No, I ended up watching it twice because I had fell asleep halfway through the first time. And then when I came back to it, I was like, I don't remember what happened. I better start over. Normally I would interject and be like, well, that's a rave review of a movie to fall asleep during it. But the same thing happened to me the first time I tried to watch Constantine and it took me like 10 years to try to watch it again. So I love that movie. It's good. It's super good. I would not have appreciated it the first time around anyway. So yeah. And I was already a huge fan of the character, and I remember, like, oh, it's not, it's not a, it's not a blonde British. I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. Mm. You know, um, Constantine is good. It's not huh? great, but it's good. It's perfectly entertaining. 
And I'd even see a sequel if they did one. I they're making one. Oh, are they? Nice. Yeah. My only beef with Tilda Swinton. Yes, my only beef with my only beef with Constantine is that it, it spoilers three, two, one. At the end, he doesn't pop a cigarette again. He has gum. I'm like, ah, you should have lit up again. Nah. You know, because that's because it's Constantine. He's right. He doesn't he, learn. I mean, he's learned enough for that movie, but then he's like, well, now I know I'm getting back into heaven. So click. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, we should start to wrap up the show. Yeah, I mean, um, go ahead. Sorry, we, ta- we talked about everything we said we were going to talk did. about. We mm-hmm. did it. Hit all the punch cards. So next week is episode six hundred. We have planned Bupkis for that. Cool. Um, I, I don't know. We can maybe reach out to folks. I'm going to try to get um, the creators, some of the creators behind the Motherland RPG that on the show. Dope. Um, even that, if that doesn't happen for next week, just sometime in the future would be great mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um i'm also going to angle the fact that i back their patreon at a pretty high level to be like hey guys i listen to your black dice society at a really high level want to do me a solid pop on the show and talk about your game listeners go to kickstarter look up into the motherlands check it out if you play rpgs back it yeah it looks cool. and then send them a message saying you should be on this podcast yeah, well, I'm going to reach out to him tomorrow morning. <laughs> I mean, that's... yeah, that's more of a joke than anything. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't please don't blackmail people into trying to do. No, this. no, that's <laughs> not what I'm saying. That is not even that wasn't even please, the joke I was making. Please don't leverage your your uh, support. For no, no, I just meant like if they got a bunch thing. of backers who made a comment about like how great it would be if they were on this show. Then when we went around and said, hey, do you want to be on this show? They'd be like, oh, the seed has right. been planted. Let's do that. Mm. Uh, Nothing nefarious, no blackmail. I do. I did not tell anyone to blackmail anybody. Too late. You didn't tell anyone, wink. Yeah, <laughs> never says anything. <sighs> um, but yeah. Uh, oh, but, real but, quick before we wrap up, uh, Naomi hmm. got picked up for a full season at CW. Yes, it did. Awesome. Yep. Uh, Powerpuff Girls is getting a reshoot, mm-hmm. and apparently, some pages from the script leaked today. Oh, oh, it was bad. How do you they, how do you wait until the end of the show to bring this up? I know. Sorry, let's they go. Didn't Good night. Fi- yeah, they didn't fire any of the creators or the cast. They're like, nope, keep the creative team, keep the cast, rewrite. Yeah. So interesting. I think it was probably a little too Diablo Cody for the CW. Yeah, I don't know if Diablo Cody writes well for younger this, generations anymore. Maybe this is what we could talk about next week. Sure. <laughs> Seems well, like we I don't know. <laughs> well, since I ended on a, we have a whole new topic. Um, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Peter Rita. <laughs> and I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>